listening to Doing Law Differently, a podcast that explores how leaders in law are thinking outside the box and challenging the status quo. Join me, Lucy Dickens, as we discover how the world's most progressive law firms and law companies are doing law differently. Hello again, everyone. I'm Lucy Dickens, and you're listening to episode four of Doing Law Differently. I'm sure that you've heard it said before that a business's greatest asset is its people. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I'm joined by Catherine Thomas, who is the CEO of Free Range Lawyers. Catherine understands only too well that law firms need to adapt in order to remain relevant in our legal landscape, and the people piece is her specialty. Catherine describes herself as a sucker for law firms after having spent 20 years working with them in the UK, Australia, New Zealand, and Canada. As I mentioned before, Catherine's the CEO of Free Range Lawyers, which connects lawyers working remotely with law firms and law companies flexing their resource. They harness the benefit of flexible and remote working for lawyers, law companies, families and communities. Welcome, Catherine. Hi, Lucy. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Now, what I didn't mention in the intro and what I will mention is that you are a prime example of how the people who are shaking up the legal profession absolutely do not have to have a legal practicing certificate. (laughs) Absolutely. I've managed to work in the law for over 20 years, but I have never in those 20 years worked as a lawyer, I took that business of law route rather than the practice of law route for my career. Which is great. It's good. I like that example. Brilliant. Now, you recently did a webinar for Alpma. And one of the things that you spoke about in that was the different approach that traditional law firms have to new law firms in relation to people. And that was really interesting. And I thought before we get into the free range lawyer info, can you give us that background? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are some really clear ways in which the way law has been practiced traditionally differs from the new law businesses that we're seeing emerging, particularly in relation to people. And I think the first clear one is that traditionally our people were essentially a fixed cost. So they were always employed within the business. And what we're seeing now is a real significant growth in the number of lawyers and business professionals who are engaged on a variable cost basis. Um, so on a contract or freelance basis, if you want to call it that. So that, that's the first big difference, I guess, that I'm, I'm seeing, that newer organisations aren't necessarily equating human resource with a fixed cost. I think another um, area where we're seeing kind of real innovation and change is around how people are deployed. So we tend to be engaging people increasingly on the basis of their skills rather than roles. So, you know, roles are really unchanging. They're fixed, they're certain, um, and they're sure. Um, But people's skills can be kind of many faceted and really quite variable. And so what we're increasingly seeing is rather than just fixed roles, actually people having a number of roles that use their skills in a variety of different ways. And I think the last big change that I'm seeing is the way in which we're selecting people to work within our business. Again, traditionally, it was all about past performance. Um, typically, how have you done academically? What grades have you got? Where did you go? Um, new law businesses are much more interested in the future and actually how people might perform in the future rather than past performance being an indicator of that. So those are just some of the ways in which I'm seeing our approach to people in the law changing over time. The skills one is really interesting. I had a conversation with somebody very recently and it was in the context of an opportunity to work with them doing some work in their business. And the conversation has shifted from one I might have had a few years ago. So a few years ago, it might have been, this is what I want. How can you help me to achieve that? Or how can you do, what can you bring to the table? Whereas yesterday, the conversation was, 
what have you got to offer? Um, what skills have you have? And to some extent, the past performance, but more about how can you bring those skills and how can you bring them into this business? And what do you think you can achieve? As opposed to this is the job that I have to be done and that I need you to try and sell yourself for. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think for lawyers that are more at the start of their career, that's that's a really important point to note. You know, what I'm seeing is people developing a collection of skills that in work that they enjoy that they think is going to be relevant and useful in the future rather than being defined by the titles that they have or the roles that they've they've held um, in the past. Now let's talk about free range lawyers so can you tell us how it works? Yeah absolutely so we're a pool of lawyers um, who don't work in the CBD um, and who work remotely on a, a flexible or freelance basis And our lawyers work only for law firms. So we're geared specifically to the needs of law firms. We don't straddle uh, in-house and and law firms too. And basically what we're here to do is to help law firms scale up when they need to scale up to be able to resource their legal work more effectively, but also more humanely as well. And that's a really uh, hot topic currently, particularly in the legal profession. So we're here to help small, medium and large law firms, but particularly those who might be um, domestic without overseas offices, get that benefit of scale without necessarily having the commitment that a large multi-office law firm entails. What do you mean when you say more humanely? You would have to be living under a rock, I think, over the last year or so, um, you know, if you weren't aware of the issues that we have in the legal profession around low levels on average of, of well-being and some really distressingly poor levels of mental health. And that's a really complex issue. Um, and I'm not going to suggest that it can be solved in one way, but certainly one contributing factor to those poor levels of well-being is the long working hours culture. And what we've traditionally done in law firms is when we get a job in, if we don't have the resources to do it, we find the resources by making our people work harder and, and longer hours. And, you know, that is just not sustainable on a whole variety of different levels. And so, you know, what free range lawyers really helps law firms to do is when they get that piece of work in that they've probably you know been dying to make a start on and get a chance to do what free range lawyers does is helps law firms actually resource that work sensibly plan it out in a way that is sustainable and yes sustainable for the individuals within the business and and that's important but actually sustainable for the business as a whole you know if you've got a piece of work that is resourced appropriately you've got fresh people applying fresh minds to the problem rather than tired, exhausted individuals. And that is going to lead to a far better product for the client. So in practical terms, if I'm a law firm and I need some more people to help me deliver some work that I've got going on, how do I go about getting you involved? How does that process work? The main thing to do is to get in touch with us, any member of the team. So obviously going on to freerangelawyers.com is a starting point. And I'd be delighted to hear from any law firms that are looking to address that issue. And then what I'd really do is understand um, exactly what you're looking to achieve from the arrangement. Um, So again, traditionally, what I've found is that a lot of law firms express what they need in terms of the legal skill set and the levels of post-qualification experience individual has but that often can be quite um, constraining as a way of describing the need Um, actually far better for us to enter into the discussion that says what do you need to get done 
Yeah. And then what I do is go away and, and find people who can get that work done. And they will have been pre-vetted, very, very carefully vetted by us. The law firm will meet with them over Zoom because we're a remote or, or any other, you know, Skype. There are yeah. other alternatives, um, <laughs> but any other um, kind of medium just to make sure that the fit is right. But that can be really quite a short conversation because we've already done the vetting. And then the lawyer is available really very quickly because they don't have to come into the office. So it's desktop to desktop engagement, um, which means that it really can be quite rapid. And that lawyer is available. They will work within the law firm system. So keeping obviously that work, that client information entirely secure. They will work within the law firm systems remotely um, in the cloud and and help as an integral part of the team to get the job done. Mm. And why did you decide that you would only place lawyers who would work remotely? It's a great question. I think that the market for in-office job replacement is fairly saturated now. Um, It's well established. And that's a testament to the brilliant work that quite a number of players in that market have done over the last sort of 10 or 12 years. But what we hadn't done really was explored the potential of people who weren't necessarily going to travel into the CBD to deliver their services. And I had a real inkling from my experience that if I took geography out of the equation, I would access some really fantastic people with wonderful skills. That really has been the case, Lucy. So by taking geography out of the equation, we're actually able to reach talent that the kind of in-office approach quite often can't. You know, I read report after report at the moment that says that for law firms, you know, whether it's in Australia, whether it's in the UK, you know, one of their biggest issues is accessing talent. Um, But when you keep the constraint of that talent having to be located in certain cities, no wonder it's difficult to access it. But actually, if you say, look, these are the kind of skills we need, but actually it doesn't necessarily matter where they are because we just need the skills to get the job done. All of a sudden, this whole new world and whole new group of really capable individuals opens up to you. So from a a sort of commercial perspective, that's why I took the remote route. From a personal perspective, Because I've been working remotely for a number of years here from Perth in Western Australia. But as you mentioned in in the introduction, having clients in the UK, Canada, New Zealand, all over the world and working really effectively with them. So just from a personal perspective, I myself have experienced the power of remote working and the benefits that it can offer. Mm. You keep mentioning skills and I think it's really interesting and shows the kind of future that we're heading towards where you're more interested in the skills someone has to get a job done rather than their job title or how many years post admission or even whether they have a practicing certificate like we touched on a minute ago. And by taking away some of those barriers, it seems that you're really able to access this, what you said, a a bigger pool of people and yeah, you're breaking down the barriers. Yeah, it's part of this wider trend of looking at outputs rather than inputs in the law. You know, it links to moving away from the billable hour, for example. But if you actually look at outputs and what you need to get done, rather than the input that you're trying to characterise, the possibilities open up for you significantly. So I can think of of one of our free range lawyers who's had a really stellar career, very, very senior career, both in Australia and in the UK. But she's returned back to Australia with a young family now and she lives in rural South Australia. The fact that she lives in rural South Australia hasn't made any difference to the collection of skills that she has to, to, (laughs) that she has to (laughs) offer. Um, uh, But what's really interesting is, you know, A, she can offer those skills 
remotely. She doesn't necessarily have to be in a CBD. But B, actually, the scope of work that she's looking to do isn't necessarily 100% all senior. So that post-qualification experience, you know, doesn't necessarily forensically um, apply to how people want to work on a contract and freelance basis. She gets, she's chosen to have a different kind of lifestyle. And with that, she wants a portfolio of different types of work. She wants some really challenging senior stuff, but potentially really quite happy to take on work that might be more junior as well. Yeah, it relates to the future of work the bigger picture of the future of work. It's not just the changes in the legal profession, but it's how work is changing across all industries with people looking to get more meaning out of the work that they're doing and they're wanting to integrate other pieces of bits and pieces of their lives. They don't just want to focus on the doing one thing. Yeah, absolutely. And this notion of a a portfolio career, I think we're just going to see, you know, grow and grow. So people actually have several gigs, as they're called, running at the same time. And yes, have to apply their mind to keeping all of those balls up in the air, but at the same time have significantly more control over how they do how they do their work. Yeah, so that that lawyer in South Australia is just, you know, just one example of somebody that isn't necessarily or isn't at all governed by their level of seniority when they're looking at work because she's looking at these things as discrete assignments. She's not taking them on as a new job for the next five years of her life. I guess the ante, the risks are significantly lowered because we're talking about freelance or temporary work here. And so she's really quite willing to pick and choose and do work that suits her um, and will add value to the clients. I want to take you back to what you mentioned just before, which was about the outputs and inputs conversation. Mm. What kind of reaction have you had to that focus on outputs? And we're talking about discrete projects in a lot of cases, as opposed to hiring someone for X number of hours. What kind of reaction have you had to that from traditional law firms who maybe aren't yet quite there in thinking of the focus of on outputs as opposed to time well like anything there's a spectrum and it's been really varied um mm. so the kind of law firms that we've been dealing with you know at the what uh, at one end i you know i can think of a law firm that came to us precisely because well, they characterize themselves as a new law firm they they themselves mainly operate remotely um and they want people who think differently and they actually felt and i'm almost quoting here you know they said we've come to you because the people that you have on your books by the very fact that they are working remotely are likely to be quite creative thinkers um, and think differently. So at the one one end of the spectrum, I've got organisations that are coming to us because of who we are specifically. And then, yes, at the other end of the spectrum, there are law firms who operate in more of a traditional way and really are looking at free-range lawyers through the lens of filling specific roles. And I think the beauty of the model that we have is that we can fit in anywhere. You can cater for both. We can cater for both, yeah. One of the things you said to me in preparing for this interview is that you exist to make law firms' lives easier. And as part of that, you say how using flexible resources can help firms to grow their business. And I think this is interesting because I think for a lot of firms and businesses who have a traditional mindset, they will think, in order to grow, I need permanent staff. Yes. I know that's not what you say. So explain it to me. So I think this comes down fundamentally to the difference between size and scale. And I think this is really important. So, you know, when I started my career, and indeed it still exists now, a lot of law firms will sell based on the fact that they have size. 
And how many times do you hear we have the largest litigation department in, you know, and then insert the geography that's particularly relevant or, you know, the largest group of employment lawyers, you know, this side of the main road or whatever it might be. And so we've traditionally sold very much on on size, but the way that business is operating now with our kind of on-demand and platform economy, you're actually seeing that size, you know, to coin a phrase, size really is mattering. (laughs) You know, it really is mattering less. And in fact, it can encumber some businesses now. And some businesses are finding that just sheer size really is kind of making them a bit of an oil tanker compared to other organizations that focus on scale, who are kind of much more, I don't know how you want to characterize it, kind of speedboat-like, I guess. So scale is much more about being able to move up and down in response to the demand in the market. When you think about what clients are actually looking for, when law firms have traditionally said, look, we're big, actually clients aren't looking for large law firms. What they're looking for is a law firm that has the resources to do the job that needs to be done. So if you're a much smaller kind of organization, but you're actually able to demonstrate that when required, you're able to scale up with trusted people who can work with you really effectively, all of a sudden you can find that actually you're competing with these much larger organizations that have this standing cohort of employed lawyers And not only that, but actually what I am starting to see, particularly in sort of competitive pitch situations, is that that scale rather than size model is actually becoming a real positive. So in this world where clients want more for less, we're much more cost sensitive and all of the stuff that you and I um, know about, what we're seeing is that clients are increasingly interested in how law firms run their business and actually increasingly interested in seeing law firms that are able to operate efficiently and in an agile way, and actually are eliminating wastage in the way that they approach their work. So scale then actually becomes a real positive and a way of promoting yourself to creative and forward-thinking clients. Another benefit that I see from this, from the law firm business perspective, is that by bringing in staff who are remote and by giving them discrete projects to work on, or even just hiring them on a contract basis, they're really going to have to streamline their onboarding process and have really clear procedures about how they do what they do and how they want their people to work because they're potentially going to be having lots of different people through the business and so they really need to be efficient at those things. So rather than having permanent staff to kind of just do things in their own way, they need to streamline their processes so they're going to benefit from that as well. Yes, spot on Lucy. I mean, and I have actually seen, you know, I'm much as we would like things to follow a very perfect linear route. We know life doesn't work that way. And so in reality, it would be fantastic to have a situation where a law firm had all of its processes and its services, you know, mapped all of that wastage eliminated and resources of all types, you know, whether it's uh, technical, you know, human, you know, plugged in at exactly the right stage. But of course, you and I know that in reality, life doesn't work like that. So what I've actually seen working really well is the deployment of contract and freelance lawyers actually helping a law firm But by virtue of having those people on board, helping that law firm to become clearer about the way it does its work. I can see that. In the explanation you were giving before, that's what I was thinking. I was, well, they're going to have to get their stuff together so that they can onboard these people. Yeah. And if you want to get the most out of the situation, having clarity about what you want that individual to do, what you want them to achieve. Oh, and coming back to that word, you know, the output that you want them to deliver. It's absolutely vital. Whereas when you have somebody employed permanently in a role, there is more slack. But the reality is that in this day and age, and increasingly so, there isn't going to be room for that slack. 
because mm. that will make the law firm uncompetitive. So as well as free range lawyers, you also consult to professionals. And as we mentioned before, you've got experience on the ground from lots of different countries with law firms and law companies. So what do you think is one of the biggest challenges facing the legal industry? Oh, that's just a big question. <laughs> That is just such a huge question. I think the first thing I'd say is anything that's a challenge for one segment of the market is usually an opportunity um, for another. So if I'm allowed the liberty of kind of rephrasing the question, I guess for me, the way I will answer it will be both a challenge and an opportunity. For me, it's how we address this change from a seller's market to a buyer's market. You know, this change from a highly regulated um, industry with huge barriers to entry to now an industry where regulation really is diminishing and barriers to entry actually are pretty low and very low in some areas where legal issues aren't necessarily being solved by somebody who has um, legal qualifications. You know, in this world where requiring help with legal risk doesn't necessarily lead to the instruction of a law firm and doesn't even necessarily lead to the instruction of a law firm a lawyer sorry so you've got much higher levels of competition alternative approaches to achieving the same result that traditionally only law firms could achieve I think interestingly you've got this you know we had traditionally a low level of supplier power and supplier being the lawyers themselves you know the lawyers had very few options if they wanted to become qualified in practice Now, actually, there are lots of options. So your suppliers have much more power. And then, of course, so do your buyers because they've got more more options. And so how does our industry respond to that? And not just structurally in terms of the type of organizations we have and the way those organizations um, operate. But for me, perhaps the, the biggest challenge and therefore opportunity is attitudinally as well. So how do we move from a protected industry that equated to high degrees of personal status, prestige and power to a much more competitive industry that isn't necessarily so tightly correlated with kind of personal status and and prestige. Mm. And how do our attitudes adapt and therefore our behaviours as a result of those attitudes to enable us to remain competitive? I think it's a snowball effect. And like you said before, there's a spectrum of people in terms of their progression yeah. as to where their firms are at in the development of law as well, because you've got firms who are still burying their head in the sand saying, no, nothing's changing. I, we're going to keep yeah. doing what we're doing. And then you've got the complete opposite of that, who are just flipping everything on its head. But in my experience, once you start to make little incremental changes, that's when you see it's not the case of just changing my billing structure. It's not that I can just hire flexible workers instead of hiring people full-time it's as soon as you do a tiny change you see how that snowballs and how it leads to so many other changes and that it's a complete business model change it's not just small bits and pieces here and there no absolutely I would say from my experience just getting started with the small bits and pieces is the way to go because I think so many organizations I speak to so many that are kind of rabbits caught in their headlights you know we know that we need to make changes but where on earth do we start taking that first step as you say then you know things snowball one thing to another yeah yeah well then you probably just answered my last question for you which was going to be (laughs) what's your advice to someone who wants to start to do things a bit differently and perhaps that's your answer just make a change and get started you know I think that's absolutely one of the best ways to get momentum and make change happen I guess I would suggest just taking a step back from that and asking 
why you want to make those changes what do you want to see come out of any changes you know why do you want to step out of the mold what you're looking to achieve and then really analyzing well what approach what way of working will help me achieve that it can be a really big deal stepping away from the comfort of a more traditional way of practicing into something new but in my experience it's it's enjoyable it's exciting and it's really great to kind of know that you're part of the vanguard of the way things are changing in terms of delivering legal services now your website is freerangelawyers.com you mentioned before what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they are interested in becoming a free range lawyer or hiring a free range lawyer go onto the website go on to contact us um, and you'll see all of our details there you can click on um, there also and just book an initial appointment to have a chat with me and I'm available at all kinds of odd times of the day and night because we're running an international business. And so really happy to have um, a, just an exploratory um, chat with people. Um, but yeah, going on to freerangelawyers.com or emailing me at um, Catherine at freerangelawyers.com would be fantastic. Thank you so much, Catherine. Thanks, Lucy. So that's all from Doing Law Differently today. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, I'd love it if you could leave a rating and review on iTunes. It makes a big difference because it really helps other people to find out about the show. And lastly, if you or someone who you know is doing law differently, then send them my way at doinglawdifferently.com.au forward slash guest. I'd love to have as much variety on the show as possible. So do send them over. See you next week. You've been listening to the Doing Law Differently podcast. Visit doinglawdifferently.com.au